All right, what's going on? They play, we talk. We're back, episode six. I uh, got the whole team with me. You guys want to go ahead and just introduce yourselves real quick. Jeff, you want to start it off? Jeffrey Brown, Los Angeles native. Um, lived around. Happy to be here. Join the team and actually be vocal this time. Bruce, what's up? Glad to be here for another week. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. So let's get it started. All right. And uh, Matt, what's good? What's going on, man? Uh, what's up, Bruce, man? Uh, Matt, repping Cleveland, Ohio, uh, working out here in New Jersey, man. I was kind of a special guest last week, and I'm glad to be back. So looking forward to the show again. All right, let's do it. So uh, you guys know the big uh, big topic of the day, Conor McGregor versus Mayweather. Uh, what's, uh, what's your thoughts on, first, who's going to win and how that whole fight is going to play out? You know, I'll, I'll jump in. I've been, I'm a, a boxing fan or a combat sports fan, so I've, I've watched a lot of McGregor fights and Floyd Mayweather fights, and I just think that I just don't understand how McGregor has a chance. Uh, you know, I know that he's bringing a lot of buzz and a lot of hype to the, to the event, mm-hmm. but when it comes down to it in between the ropes, I just think that it's going to be Mayweather all night, and it probably will end up being a boring fight unless Mayweather knocks him out. So, so you, don't, you don't think the fact that Mayweather is uh, 40 some odd years old and he's uh, he hasn't fought in a while that that's going to be to his disadvantage to fighting McGregor um I think that for I think this is why in my opinion Floyd takes the fight because he's basically fighting a rookie so (laughs) essentially uh in in that environment so I just don't think that how I think that the punch the punching power that McGregor has Floyd's seen that before. He's seen faster guys. Uh, so I just, I think that, I think Floyd presents himself to be in a situation where he's just kind of this ignorant guy, but I think he's actually pretty smart. So he knew that this would be a, be a, a very cash worthy event for him. That would actually be, end up being easy money, hmm. which we'll probably end up seeing that'll be the case. Well, well speaking of easy money, are you guys going to pay for the event or, or are you guys going to try to watch it at a friend's place or at some bar? Probably the latter for me. Hmm. Yeah, I'd probably be willing to maybe go in and do like a group pay-per-view thing or maybe a fight party or something, but I'm not coming out of $100 for a snore fest of <laughs> Floyd dodging well, every punch. Well, history is, history is against the fight. I mean, if you look at what happened with how long they waited for the Pacquiao event, and then it was not only a snoozer, a Time Warner um, went out on all over the West Coast, and I think in New York as well, in that market as well. So there's people who had invested large sums of money to have parties and events and were left out in the cold. They didn't see any of the fight mm-hmm. because the fight, the fight, there was technical difference. I don't know if you guys experienced it wherever you were at in respect to time, but in L.A., if you had Time Warner Cable, um, you paid for the fight, but the fight never made it on. Wow. Um, but about the, the, the actual... Go ahead. No, you guys weren't aware of that. No, I didn't even know that. That's that's I, incredible. Oh yeah, yeah, and it was a big. There was a big class action suit. Um, I, I'm assuming that 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 it all got pushed under the rug in the, over the long term. Um, but there were people that were very pissed about that. I mean, you have to imagine you pay, let's just say, twelve hundred dollars to host the fight. You pay a hundred dollars for the the actual fight itself, and then you pay an, another thousand or whatever to to host a certain amount of people. Or if you're a commercial business, you're actually paying yeah. based upon the number of individuals that actually come to your particular building. And 
and you disappoint all those individuals, you can say, oh, yeah, we'll give you your money back. But that's not enough. So, so People are going to be pissed. Well, so what was the result of the class action lawsuit? Was it settled? I, I, I don't have, I can look it up while we were on the phone and I can give you some, some more additional details, but I definitely know that it was Time Warner customers in, in the LA market, that mm-hmm. flight, it wasn't blacked out. It was, they were having some type of technical difficulties and they saw none of the fight. This was the Pacquiao wow. fight. Damn. Hey, man. Um, <laughs> hey, I think my man's got a vendetta against Time Warner. I mean, he don't say Time Warner about seven, eight times. <laughs> well, well it, was only, it was only Time Warner. If you had AT&T, um, that files or whatever that is, if you had direct TV, you were able to see the fight. So it was Man, actually spe- exclusively to Time Warner, Time Warner Cable Network. Um, that's inexcusable. Yeah, that's terrible. But, but if you go, if you, but let's just talk about the fight itself. I mean, pound for pound, Floyd Mayweather, from a technical perspective, may be the, the best fighter of all time in his weight class. Yeah. Pound for pound, Floyd Mayweather, from a technical perspective, may be the best fighter in his weight class of all time maybe um a guy a guy that doesn't just he doesn't get hit i mean if you really look at it nobody lands enough blows on the guy he's at the sub 30 percent level um with a guy like mcgregor can you hear me yeah are we good yeah we with a guy like mcgregor who who builds his brand off of intimidating his opponents and his powerful punches it's, it works. It's like opposite. It's your, your, your weakness or your strength works against you. Mm-hmm. I don't even think it's McGregor may land a few bows, but I, I feel like this is the great white hype movie. I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember it with uh, Woody Harrelson. I think Woody Harrelson was, was the main actor. I feel like that, that, that this, is, this is like the lead up is to that. Damon Wayne was in it, right? Hey, Damon, yeah, Damon Wayne's, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's Damon yep. Wayne. I mean, you know, my opinion on it is, you know, people call boxing the sweet science. You know what I mean? People dedicate 30, 40, 50 years of their lives and still aren't able to unlock all the secrets of boxing. So you mean to tell me this brash UFC fighter, while he's talented, and I think he's a lot smarter and he's way more technical than people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. But in, in a UFC setting, he can't just waltz into the boxing arena, the sweet science, the sweet science and knock off the best fighter of our generation. I mean, and you mentioned Floyd's age. He's 40 years old. But like Jeffrey was saying, the dude doesn't get hit. So mileage-wise, he might as well be 25. Fighting style-wise, he might as well be 25 because, I mean, he's the counterpuncher of all counterpunchers. If you really look at the way McGregor fights, McGregor's a counterpuncher. He baits these UFC fighters into, you know, getting into these off-balance positions, and he punishes them. Mm -hmm. Um, But if if you look at the way McGregor punches, he really loads up. He uses um, a lot of leg strength, a lot of hip torque to throw those punches. That's something Floyd is going to be seeing a mile away. So, I mean. Oh, yeah, for sure. And if you take a look at the UFC, you know, McGregor is one of the best strikers. But you got to think in the UFC, you got to be a versatile fighter. You got to be able to strike. You got to be able to wrestle. You got to be able to, you know, have your jujitsu. You got to have a lot of different styles. So the best UFC fighters sometimes are those who are able to blend those styles well. In boxing, you're a specialist. You're a striker first and foremost. So in my opinion, a, one of the worst boxing strikers is going to be one of the best UFC strikers. Mm. So you're, if you're going to tell me you're going to walk out, yeah, you might be the best UFC striker, but you're dealing with guys who have to incorporate a whole lot more. So yeah. to walk into a boxing arena where 
you have to specialize. And Floyd has been specializing in this his whole entire life and been beating everyone who specialized in this their entire life. I mean, I just don't understand. It's almost like the audacity of this guy. But <laughs> he, he's getting $100 million out of it. So you you could pay me $100 million, and I'll walk in, and I'll get embarrassed. So uh, I appreciate I how McGregor has built his brand and promoted himself and done what he's done to get to this point. But when we're talking about, like Marcus said, inside the ring, man, come on. Just come on, dude. So, so let me ask you guys Let me ask you guys this. Do you think that um, – I mean, given all of the all the pageantry and all the stuff that they've been doing pre-fight, right? All the all the hyping that they've been doing. Do you think there might be some level of um, choreography to this fight, where Floyd Floyd Mayweather may throw the fight so that they can set up part two in the octagon in an actual MMA? Fight? Uh, I don't think there's any way Floyd Mayweather gets in the octagon. You don't think so? I don't. No. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't pay to see that. Now that I would pay to see. No, I wouldn't pay to see that because he would get destroyed. Like he would get. <laughs> I completely agreed. I mean, Mayweather. Like I said, Mayweather specialized his whole life on the boxing, the striking, the style. He'll walk in and get body slammed and pounded, and that'll be the end of the fight. I mean, you're talking about a 24 second fight. Yeah. I don't... Yeah. So, so let me let me ask you guys this then. So, do you think that this fight? that uh, is coming up do you think this is more exciting for boxing fans or from or for mma fans you know, which which group do you think is probably more, more excited about this fight i, I think it's more excited and uh, let me and let me divert and add a third option for white america i think i think uh, i'll just be real because 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 floyd mayweather has built his brand uh he's smart he knows that people love to hate him mm-hmm. yep. and he picked the perfect foe to be to be hated and want and everybody wants to get behind and people in Vegas are going to be betting for 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 him or against Mayweather like he's stimulating yeah. the economy. he's gotten away with so much in Nevada because he stimulate the economy so much in Nevada and this yep. is all marketing this is all about dollars for him he knows yep. he's not going to lose and I don't even think like Dana White and him are the ones that are winning in this fight I don't even think. Oh, yeah. I don't even think McGregor is winning because they don't want owns McGregor. Yeah, Floyd Mayweather's his own man. Yeah, I think I think uh, wasn't Dana White? Didn't he like intern for Floyd back when Dana White was trying to get a start? Floyd, Dana White, and Floyd will talk about how that Danny used to carry Floyd's bags and stuff back when he was trying to get his start in in, in Las Vegas. So they, I mean, these guys know each other for a long, long time. And let uh, me piggy. Oh, go ahead, Marcus. My bad. And as far as the, you know, you're talking about the 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 racial element, I I I mean, I kind of a I kind of agree where, you know, Conor McGregor is going to play up this Irish pride, and which you know will go into this you know European pride. And the last European that uh, Floyd Mayweather beat up was Ricky Hatton. Uh, he was out of the UK, and it was a lot of the same type of buzz back when that fight happened. He got Ricky Hatton got knocked out. Uh, where was this going to be like, you know, white America and then Europe and everything we're going to rally behind and try to see Floyd get taken down, as the, as you guys said, the great white hope. Um, and I just don't see it's going to happen, not because Floyd's black, but because Floyd's just a better boxer. And let me jump in and make one more point. You, you know, you said, well, who's more excited, MMA fans or boxing fans? To be completely honest, I don't think anyone that's truly knowledgeable in either sport is all that excited 
other than for the exposure that the sport is getting. Because anyone who I feel like is a smart boxing fan or a smart MMA fan is going to know that Connor, with boxing rules, having to, uh, to adjust to Floyd doesn't really stand a chance. So while mm-hmm. I can appreciate all the buzz around the fight and it's going to be uh, you know, entertaining, it's going to be fun in its own way, I don't think anyone that's knowledgeable about the sport is truly excited about the, what the competition is going to be like. And but I do think that for both, um, I, I do think that for both uh, sports, if for boxing, if this is going to be a good show for, for Floyd, let's say he's able to knock Conor McGregor out, I think it does help boxing, who always takes reputational hits from like the last Manny Pacquiao fight. Uh, boxing kind of gets a bad name. But I also think that for MMA, that's a very new uh, combat sport. If Conor puts up a good show, it does help help the brand of, of the UFC. So I think it's, it can work well on both sides. Okay. All right. Um, let's transition over to another uh, another topic um, that's kind of been in the news lately: the Venus uh, Williams car accident business. Um, so, have you guys been following what's been going on? I mean, do you think you think that she's going to end up doing jail time? All right. Well, let me jump in real quick because um, just recently, you know, it might have been within the last 24 hours, um, you know, the police department out there, they looked at the footage and they Mm -hmm. declared that Venus had the complete right of way. What happened was um, Venus went through a green light. All right. And then while she was in the middle of the intersection, her light turned red. So another the other car, you know, the Vic, well, the person who suffered the most damage their light was green and I don't know what they were doing. They weren't paying attention. And then they ran into Venus and they ended up with all these injuries. But because of what traffic was doing in front of Venus, she was forced to stop or go very slow in the middle of that intersection. So when she went through the intersection, she had the green light, the light turned red on her. The other car just takes their green light, runs into Venus and they end up, one ends up, you know, obviously and tragically, you know, uh, passed away from it. Um, so my opinion is a lot of people make quick judgments about Venus and, you know, she withstood a lot of rhetoric on Twitter that nobody should have to withstand. If you saw her press conferences, she was very emotional. She didn't really try to tell the story. She always would direct the attention to, oh my God, somebody died. So by the fact, you know, the police department said, no, Venus made all the right decisions as a driver. I couldn't be any more happy about that because it shows he's a good person. She's still in this tournament. I believe she plays on Saturday. She's still winning. She's a champ. Uh, I'm I'm very happy for how this kind of has worked out for her, to be honest. This is the sideshow. Um, and, and, and really, honestly, I, I made a statement to two of my other boys. I said, what would be more impressive? Um, Venice winning a major while Serena was away or Serena coming back within a year of her pregnancy or giving birth and winning a major. And they unequivocally, everybody said Venus winning a major. She has an opportunity to win a major right now. I think that's the focal point. Um, I'm pretty sure she's very sorry about what happened or occurred, but I, those type of accidents happen every day. I don't know if you guys ever lived in Florida, but they can't drive down there. <laughs> I live there, and I know. <laughs> so, so I mean, I'm not belittling or, or lowering the value of someone's life. I guess what I'm saying is, is the only reason that this is a story is because it involves Venus Williams. That's true. So, so Jeff, who, who have, there, Jeff, they who have a home there in Florida, I believe, because that's so, that's the tennis capital of the world, by the way. So, Jeff, do you mind if I jump in and ask you? So, being from LA, 
is there a sense of pride uh, for the Williams sisters in regards to tennis and what they've been able to do in their sport? <sighs> I guess not. That pregnant? I don't. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say that. I think if you're from Compton, like I said, it's, it's very much um, like we we just like the boroughs in New York. Like we yeah. we see pride, like Bronx see, see pride in what the Bronx do, and Brooklyn sees pride in what Brooklyn does. I think the people yeah. in Compton see more pride in her than me. I'm from South Central. Like okay. I, I'm 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 just happy that some sisters like they opened up the door to see to other young sisters to to feel like they can go out and play tennis and dominate. Like okay. you just look at look at look at her older sister. Like Venus actually has a typical tennis body. Her older sister is overweight by tennis stand ten women tennis standards, and and literally she picks and chooses when she wants to dominate or not. You yeah. know, and that to me is pretty damn pretty damn special. I I like that. So I I do take pride in the fact that their sisters more so than they're from L.A. or okay. I mean from from Compton per se. Okay. Mm, okay. Um, so, I, you know, it's funny. I actually saw the video of you know, what they released on TMZ. And it's everything you said it was, Matt. You know, her car basically was in the intersection. The light turned green while she was in, in the intersection. But I think what caused the incident was the, the, the traffic that was perpendicular to their car, the car that basically T-boned them or ran into the, the, her passenger side. There was another car... Um, in the left lane and so when that other car in the I guess that basically ran through the intersection it was in the, the furthest right lane so I think that car that was waiting at the stoplight it obstructed the view of the car that was basically speeding and they thought they had the green and then Serena basically you know it careened into I'm sorry uh, into Venus's car so but yeah I mean I hope she gets off I mean I, I think that you know, she, she is, uh, you know, uh, I think both, both sisters are great. So I hope that she gets off and, you know, she doesn't actually do any jail time. So, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean, she, she has money. So, you know, rich people always get off. So, <laughs> uh, so why don't we, why don't we actually transition to some NBA stuff? Uh, you guys, you guys been following, you guys been following this Harden deal. What, what do you guys think about this 200, 200 mil, plus deal that James Harden got. You think it's worth it? Hmm. I'm never going to say I can't qualify to say whether a money somebody's worth the money. Obviously somebody felt the NBA felt he was worth it. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that it's a, I think that when you're thinking about 10 years from now, the, the richest deal ever at this particular in 2017 in NBA history goes to James Harden. I, I just, it's hard for me to kind of equate that, right? Like, it's just, it's just really strange how he's the person that gets, you know, is the rich, richest person in the, in the NBA now. But, but Marcus, Marcos, look, who, who yeah. was, who, who was the, the major deal before that? The super, super duper major deal. It was Conley. You think Conley is worth 200 some, no, some million? No, no. Well, that, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why, I mean, I, 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 a, I don't know when, when it's going to settle with these NBA contracts, but it just sounds crazy when, like, with you're right, Michael Conley. You're like, wait, what? And, and James Harden is is a, is a great player. Uh, I think that he he's fine. But you know, you naturally want to think the best players get the the most amount of money. So that goes into this idea that you know, with KD taking that pay cut and 
and all that, you know, I, you know, Stephen Curry getting 200 million, you're like, okay, that makes sense. But James Harden, I, I mean, has he, what's the furthest round of the playoffs he's been to? I believe the second. Yeah, but but but, hold, but you gotta you gotta cut Harden a little bit of slack, right? I mean, last year he put that team on his back, right? And you could see that he was gassed. So I mean, I I I I, I do concede that yeah, he hasn't advanced that far. Well, actually, you know what? You could say he went to the finals. With went, the exactly, exactly. He went. He did go to the finals, but that was with Kevin Durant and West Westbrook. Uh, but by himself, he hasn't made it yet. But dude, I mean, in all honesty. I think that this Houston Rockets team is probably now the second best team in the NBA. Uh, Warriors being number one, of course. Houston number two, and maybe the maybe the Cleveland Cavaliers number three. Well, I mean, I look at it when we're talking about the value. First, let me combat something Marcus said. He said I can't ever judge another player's contract. And you mentioned the Cavs. I'm going to judge Tristan Thompson's contract. I just got to get that <laughs> out the way. All right. <laughs> but anyway, talking about James Harden. Um, so we mentioned the name Steph Curry. I mean, when we have those conversations, I, I'm, I'm not a huge James Harden fan, but I can't lie. James Harden is always in that conversation. If you're talking about the best or most impactful players of the NBA within the past couple of years, you know, I mean, you're talking about five, six, seven, eight names you know, you're kind of going to kind of throw, pull those around there, and James Harden's going to be there. So if you talk about top 10 players in the NBA, there's no way you're leaving James Harden out. And I can, I can easily think of 10 players who, within the next year or two, are probably going to get that $200 million as well. So, Oh, well, you know, by all means, uh, why don't you share maybe a, a few of those players you think might get uh, that, that this, this new Max deal. I mean, what, what other players do you think? I mean, obviously LeBron. Right. So you have to be considered all pro, right, based off the rules to get the super Max deals, I think. Correct. Right, basically. Right. Okay. Right. So we're going to – and you know what? It's funny because Mark put in that all pro distinction, but that's something, just as a side note, that's something that Paul George has to play for. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because I'm going to say a player of Paul George's caliber, you know, obviously LeBron – uh, Russell Westbrook has a player option next year. You're going to think within the next two years, Kyrie is going to be uh, a free agent. Clay within two years is going to be a free agent. So um, I believe that within also within two years, um, Kawhi is going to be a free agent. So you got to think all those guys are going to get 200 million. I mean, mm. you're, you're not really going to going to argue against that. I, I, I really wouldn't. Unless one yeah. of those guys chose to make a chose to take a pay cut, and you have to mention Harden in those names, you know, with those guys, you know what I mean. Harden, Harden, it's funny that you mentioned that L.A. Pride thing. Harden is another; he's a Compton kid. I'm not. I, I'm glad he got his money while he was young. I'll leave it at that. But then I look at guys like I look at this 173 million dollar deal with Blake, a guy who oh, has never been healthy in his career a full season and i'll say hmm is that one a little bit it's not as yeah the price tag is not as high but come on like you know per game per actual play game the guy's gonna be making in in in, in probably the top five in the nba (laughs) whereas at least harden is available at the very minimum i get a guy he the guy's available and he's there now he didn't play his best ball in the playoff series 
we can. Hey Jeff. Hey Jeff. Really hey Jeff. Uh, your connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, man, you, you're. Uh, I think your connection is bad, bro. Uh, yeah. It's slow though. I turned off the internet. Does that help? Uh, oh, you're good now. That sounds good now. Yeah, yeah. So you, yeah. uh, you, oh, you sorry, started right so, off. So, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Where do you, where is the last part that that, that was coherent? You said something about James Harden uh, dating the, the Kardashians and... <laughs> nah, I definitely didn't say that. That doesn't sound like nothing, no shit I would say. What I said was he, he was disappointing. He was disappointing against the Spurs. Yeah. yeah. And, and that maybe that's a learning curve for him. Um, but, but, but he was disappointing because he was gassed, dude. He was he was the only legitimate threat. I shouldn't say only, but obviously, nah. Eric Gordon, he got Eric. Go- he he got Eric Gordon. He had a, a easy money coming off the bench that came from the Lakers. Uh, what's his name, Lou? Like he had. He, dude, I'm not saying these guys were performing at their dude, highest. I, dude, I'm saying he needs to elevate their game so he's not out there spinning himself. That's dude, the difference between dude, good players and great players. Did you watch Lou Williams play in this playoffs? He wasn't that good. He, no doubt. I, I'm saying that he needs to ele- – but but you need those guys to perform at their highest. So what are you doing in the offseason? What are you doing in the regular season? To, that's, what to, to- that's what I'm saying. Uh, he – sure, that, that team did great in the regular season, right? But in the playoffs, you need more than one guy. You need more, one, more than one guy that can create his own shot, and he really didn't have that other player – uh, on the team, remember the, that offense. Guys that stand on the three-point line and wait for Harden to to drive and dish. Uh, and yeah. in the playoffs, in the playoffs, that's not going to work. So you need. So how do you guys? How many championships did Don Nelson win? Don Nelson zero. Okay, how many championships do you think uh, the Muppet, what's his name, is going to win? Who? Wait, who's zero? The Muppet is the coach they got. That's the that's my point. You talk about you, I guess that's D'Antoni. Yes, that's his offense. I mean, so I mean, I I, I I'm I mean let let's talk. It's the chicken before the egg thing. Like like it's not just the players. It's the coaches that put them in the position in order to be successful. If you well, say you your offense is to sit around and shoot threes, and in the playoffs those shots don't fall as easily as a Warriors learned last year late in the, late in the play in their playoff run. When when stuff got when stuff got tough, their shots weren't falling, and they lost because of it. So now, I'm guessing about go uh, ahead, Paul. That, what do you think about Paul? How Chris Paul is going to help them or help him when it comes out to the playoffs? I think I think Chris Paul is an, is, is a good field general. Um, I think the the jury is out on him on his player relations, and that's going to be a tough spot with that young team. I, th- I just really think it's going to be a tough spot. When I say the jury is out, I don't know if you guys have heard, had yeah. seen the yeah. Big Baby interview. And, and, and I was always wondering, what the hell is wrong with that team? It, something doesn't seem right with their chemistry. And if you look at how they went after um, DeAndre Jordan, like, and then now they're getting rid of it. Like, like it's like, it's like they, they, they don't know what they want. It's because I, I have to imagine it had a, a lot of it had to do with the relationship Chris Paul as a leader with his teammates so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how whether he he evolves and and reinvents himself so he can acclimate himself to the personalities of individuals around him and make them better because i think he he's really good from a skills standpoint as a point guard he's one of the, the last 
truly remaining like pure natural old school point guards. Well, now that we have Lon- now we have Lonzo Ball, we have we big have baller brand. Next- but yeah, next- real quick, real quick. I mean, so to your point, true point guard. I mean, to be that court general, I mean, you kind of gotta have the ball. I mean, I if I don't, I haven't looked up the statistics, but James Harden had to have the high one of the highest usage rates in the NBA last year. Yeah. Who who has the ball with the Rockets? I mean, James Harden had the ball in his hand. 47 minutes a game last year. I'm exaggerating, obviously. Who, 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 how did, does James Harden have to play off the ball now with Chris Paul? I mean, what's so, 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 ask the Muppet. Well, see, well, see, that's, that, but see, that's the, that's the thing, though, right? When, when you have a great off, when you have, and to me, in my opinion, Mike D'Antoni is a great offensive. Uh, he has a great offensive mind, and I think he will. I think he'll figure it out. I think he'll make it work. I think if you put two great, efficient players on the same team and you give them a scheme to work in, they'll make it work. I mean, and, and also you can stagger their minutes. Like they, they don't have to be on the court uh, at the same time for all 48 minutes. You know, they can, they can stagger it. So one guy is on the court for, you know, half of that. Well, for a good portion of that. And then the other one comes uh, off the bench, not off the bench, but uh, you know, you can stagger the lineups so that they're not always on the court at the same time is what I'm saying. So I think possibly. They'll figure it out. So, 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 Jeff, let me let me ask you this: since you since you're calling him the Muppet, how far do you think the the Rockets go this year in the West? It depends on where they get slated. Um, what do you mean? If they have to, if they have to play the Spurs for mm-hmm. some reason at some point, I think an old Spurs team can actually beat them still. So, I, so, I, I still think I, I still think they proved it. They proved it last year. Yeah, the Spurs. So, so I guess. So go ahead. Yeah. So I, so I put the question to you again. How far do you think they go in the West? And so it's, let's let's say you actually second round knockout. Second round knockout. What you don't yes. think, you don't think to make the conference finals? How much how much experience does Chris Paul have getting to the finals? Dude, it, it don't matter. It don't matter. It don't matter. I don't. No, 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 no. It does matter. Look at look matter. at the look at what the look at look at what look at the big three in, in Miami. What they did their first year. Mm-hmm. They looked they looked really good in the regular season. They looked like a great regular season team, but they didn't win a chip. And why didn't they win a chip? Because they didn't have the chemistry. They didn't they didn't they didn't have what it took to take to the to to really take it to the next level and win and just outright beat a great team. And, right. and I don't think I don't think with the pieces that they have now, they get that gets them there. You you I do get crazy. So let, let's let's put a bet on it. So let's say uh I, I, I bet you I bet you ten bucks that says that the Rockets make it to the conference finals this coming season. 25 that they don't. No, no, no. Let's, 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 look, let's, keep it, let's keep it 10. 25, 25. <laughs> let's, let's I'll it, go up. Yeah, let's, let's keep it 10 bucks. Let's keep it simple. 10 bucks, 10 bucks says that the Rockets make it to the conference final. Bruce, you know I pay my bets, too. <laughs> uh, you know, this is true. And actually, Marco said, uh, Matt, what he's talking about is uh, Jeff bet me this past NFL season that – um, Cam Newton would have, what did you say, 51 touchdowns? No, 40. Over 40. Total. Over, no, 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 no. Actually, no, no, no. It, it was over 47. You said he was going to have over 47 touchdowns. And I My said, God. And I said, no, no way. <laughs> total. Total. Yeah, yeah, total. So that's that's passing and running. And dude, this, I, I knew there was no way. So you do pay your bets. Um, but let, let's keep it to, let's say, 10 bucks that, uh, that, 
James Harden and company make it to the conference finals. All right. So, well, let's let's play this little mental game. Okay. Let's let's rank the top four seeds in the West. So, okay. Golden State obviously won. Yep. Are you going to have San Antonio or Houston as two? Houston. What about you, Jeff? You going to have Houston as two? Houston. Houston's going to be a better regular season team. Okay. All right. So, cool. So, that means we're going to have San Antonio as three. And then we got to look at Oklahoma City as four. San Antonio's not going to be that good of a regular season team. I don't. I don't think. I. I, I just think okay. that 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 his that the coach knows that what he's working with, and they're going to be four five. They're going to be yeah, four right. five seed. So they will put- people say that people say that every year that oh yeah this is the year <laughs> that they got to regress, and then they win sixty games. No, no, no. It's not regression. It's 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 the Phil Jackson methodology. Like the Lakers were the top seed in any year that they ran off three three championships in a row. They never, they never were. Phil Jackson. It, 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 well, I say Phil Jackson. Uh, don't 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 get mad because he, he's a horrible he's a horrible GM. But he was a good coach enough to know to tell his players like, look, man, like this is a long season, dude. You want to you want to win championships or you want to win regular season games? Dude, how, how and, many, and his players understood that. How many? Wait, hold on, but how many? How many? How many games did they win last year? <laughs> Who's this? Who's they? The Spurs. 61. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, so look, we, we can, we can sit here and say that, yeah, they're going to take the regular season off and then they go, then they win 60 games instead of 61. So, do they, yeah. but the West has gotten better. The competition has gotten better. And do they even have a point guard besides my boy from Pat, Patty Mills from St. Mary's alumni? <laughs> I mean, Patty Mills still there. Tony Parker should be back at some point. Mm, at, at some point. Mm, at some point mm, I don't know. That's why they made a run at Chris Paul. I've been kind of quiet on this because it really doesn't matter because we all know they're going to lose to the Warriors. And I, you know I'm not a Warriors fan at all, but it just really doesn't even – it's just who's going to be – it's like a race to second. Like I don't even <laughs> – you know, that's all this is. Like yeah. James – to be honest, I don't see how any scenario where even if – Let's say the Rockets get Carmelo Anthony or something. Uh, there's no scenario where I think the Rockets, the Warriors lose, and I, I feel like they come out of the West regardless. If the Rockets get Carmelo Anthony, they will regress as a team because he's a ball stopper. <laughs> oh God! All right, all right, man. Okay, so 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 let, let's so let, let's agree to disagree with uh, spots two to three. Who do you guys think gets the fourth spot? Because um, that I think that will so, match the original question. Well, yeah. So with the Thunder, you got to put the Thunder there with Paul George. Uh, mm. I don't know. I don't know. What about Minnesota? Is. What about Minnesota? Exactly, dude. I mean, look, Minnesota. I think is going to make a strong push for that uh, that fifth. I mean, that, that fourth spot, man. I, I I would actually put Minnesota in the fourth, and OKC in that fifth. So okay. All right, so Minnesota added a lot of different pieces. Mm-hmm. I think that they automatically they're just going to come together. I don't mean I don't necessarily think it's autom- automatic that they're going to come together, but I think what what I expect from Minnesota is that Tom Thibodeau is going to have them playing defense, and playing defense alone at a high level can get you fifty games, right? And look, you look at what OKC did this year. I mean, look, granted it was just West, Russell Westbrook. Uh, with his triple double, you know, going crazy, they won forty seven games. Yeah, I think, I think Russell and 
PG are going to take a little bit of time trying to figure out how to play off each other. So that I so that dynamic of two players who you know are so used to having the ball in their hand, I think it's going to take them you know at least twenty games to kind of figure things out. Yeah, maybe like eighty-two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but I think I think the I think the Timberwolves. I mean, look, they're they're going to be playing defense from day one. Look, Tom Thibodeau, he's got the band back together. He's brought in all the old guys. It's a nice mix of veterans, young players, and I just think that I just think that they're going to come out and they're just going to they're going to go crazy. So that's going to be interesting. So, all right, wow. That's, that, so I, what? So let's ask this question about Russell Westbrook. The, you know the MVP. I mean, he had an amazing, amazing season. But if let's say he can't, they don't have chemistry with Paul George. Do you think there there's any room for criticism that, you know, he's just not necessarily a good a good teammate? You know, he can't play with another superstar. He has to, be, you know, he has to be the main guy, and that's it. Like, does that add credibility to why Kevin Durant left? Oh yeah, uh, no Oklahoma? doubt, no doubt. I think this 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 season right here is going to be. Uh, this is going to be the judgment season on Russell Westbrook because if if it comes out and, and you know we see it in the body language of PG and the teammates around him, if if he comes out and looks like look he can't play with this guy and he ends up leaving to go to LA or some other place, I mean it's going to speak volumes about Russell Westbrook and and how you know how he's perceived as a teammate because everyone everyone is already quietly saying that he's too he's he tries to be too dominant right he, he tries to be the alpha male and he's just overly like aggressive with the way he talks to his players and you know I mean, his teammates and so I think this season is going to be like a referendum on Russell Westbrook and if guys really want to play with him or can play with him so that's my thought I don't know what, what do you guys think I mean has Paul George ever been like a catch and shoot guy uh, I mean, that. he's very, you know, I, I, man, you were on the podcast when I, I made this argument that I thought Paul George was just as good as Kevin Durant. I've already, <laughs> you know, I've already recanted that. What? You know, st- I've yeah. already recanted that. Remember, I've already recanted it. So it's, it's all, it's all good. But my point is that their games are very, are similar, except for, I think that Paul George doesn't do as well as a catch and shoot person versus Kevin Durant can do that. Mm. Yeah, so it's so you would you would argue it's even worse fit than Durant. Yeah, I mean Durant is the perfect, you know, especially after watching this finals, Durant's like the perfect teammate, right? Like he can do, he can play defense, he can he can ball handle, he can post up, and he can catch and shoot. Like he, everybody would, if you're a basketball person, you'd want to play with somebody like Durant. Can, in my can, opinion. Can I just throw it out there that the Durant we saw in the finals wasn't the Durant that lost last year, though? I, I have to at least say that, you know. I, I mean, but I guess as far as his game hasn't changed, that, like it did at Oklahoma City, right? But you'd literally see games where Durant probably should have the ball and Russell Westbrook will run it up the court with 10 seconds left on the shot clock and, like, hit it off the backboard like and not even touch the rim pulling up for three like he would take rhythm out of the out of the offense sometimes so i I mean i don't know but i don't know what you guys think yeah i mean i think he's an la guy right yeah yeah la guy what's your thoughts on uh what's your thoughts on your boy russell westbrook and can he coexist um 
I think he'll evolve as a player. Um, I think right now, um, I think at times Durant, Durant is passive aggressive and it very, it showed me and his play in the finals this year showed me, validated that for me. Um, where he was extremely aggressive and he showed like this really aggressive side because he put up effort towards it. Um, I think at times Durant, Durant got frustrated but wasn't willing to have the tough discussions with Russell and say, hey, hey, dog, when, you, when I'm coming down and we got that, hey, just pop it to me. I'm going I'm to I'm peel back. I'm going to fade and just hit me, hit me. And then like <laughs> being an L.A. guy. No, no, no. That's, that's a, he saw, no hold, on, hold, on. hold on. Listen, listen. Being an LA guy, he's like, all right, if he if I don't got nobody that's want to step up and and be vocal and want to want the ball, I'm gonna be the one to take the shot. And he felt like he could. He had the confidence and conviction to do that. Whether or not he was right or wrong, the jury is still out, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't necessarily think it's a knock on Westbrook as a player. I think that team, from a talent perspective in the West, is a suspect. I, I just I think on the East they would be a force maybe four maybe five seed, but I still don't think they're a championship caliber team yet. Um, even with Paul George and you guys got on me last time. That's when I said he was a second tier player. And oh, that no, doesn't no, mean no, no. I, it, I agree with you. It was uh, Mr. Mr. Cleveland number one over there that uh, said that he he didn't he believed. Uh, he was actually on the same level as KD. But he's that's never- not a knock. It's not really a knock. It's just the reality. He's a, a top of the second tier player. Oh, yeah. So uh, what I think he brought provides to them is the ability to have someone else to go to. He's yeah. like the Glenn Rice of the 2000. I always like to bring it back to the Lakers. Of the 2000 Lakers team. At the, Glenn Rice at that point of his career. He was a great leader in Charlotte because Charlotte didn't had Charlotte, Charlotte had nobody to challenge him. But when he came over to the Lakers, he was a third wheel, and he struggled with that. And right. I think I think Paul is going to struggle a little bit being the second wheel on his team, um, playing with a player like um, Westbrook. Whether it's it's true or not, he should who should be getting the ball. That's not up for argument. I think it's it's Westbrook's team. Yeah, um, people didn't like Jordan. There's stories about Jordan going into literally the training room and pulling people out of the training room and bring your ass to practice. So I, I, I don't ascribe to this whole people need to like you in order for you to be a leader concept. Yeah. I think I do ascribe to the fact that you need at the bare minimum, if you're going to walk, talk to talk, you better walk the walk. And I feel feel like Russell has been able to do that. He, he was there for his team at every point of, of the season last year, even during the playoffs All when right. he lost. Well, uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I mean, look, it'll be it'll be great theater. It'll be great, it'll be great NBA to see how far they go. But let's um let's jump into a little bit of uh, summer league talk. Obviously, the NBA is the the big story. I mean, first of all, it's just amazing how big summer league is now. Um, have you guys been checking out Alonzo Ball? Uh, LA. You know I have. Yeah, you know I have. Yeah, I know. I know you have, um, Mr. La. What's uh, what's your take on Lonzo Ball? Have you seen him play yet in summer league? I haven't seen a whole lot of him, but what I saw, I liked. I liked how he came back from that shitty first game and had um, a above average second game. Mm, I still double double. Yeah, above average. Yeah, but they're they're against all. They're, they're not. They're against. They're not against the best talent. 
what what I do like is is that they're going after him. That that his peers are are, are challenging him. They're going after him like they're going to go after him and Lee because he needs to be men- mentally prepared for that. Um, I don't think he's the. I was trying to say this last week. I don't really think he's the centerpiece of our of, of our team. What I do think he provides or brings him and his circus family um, a distraction, a welcome distraction. No, no, no. It's a welcome distraction. It, it, from an LA standpoint, it's good that the inner, the, that, that every, the, the attention is going to be on him and his dad, because that means we can build around that and slowly like develop the players around him without them getting the unnecessary attention. He, he can, if they're, they're built to take that heat, I, I think that's a welcome distraction. He's a welcome distraction in LA right now, but that's not winning. Yeah. Right, so let me, uh, you yeah. know, I, I'm going to take my fandom of big baller brand and all that out of it. I'm just going to take a look at it from just a pure basketball perspective. I think that Lonzo ball is a throwback point guard in the sense that when you watch him play, he's not one of these guys that like to over dribble. Like let's say you take Kyrie or let's say Ray John Rondo, those guys dribble the ball and run down the shot clock, trying to either find an assist or a shot. Lonzo gets the ball out. So if he's rebounding it, he's throwing it down the court. He's passing it. He's pushing the ball. And, and I think that that – I think people that want to – I think basketball players want to play for guys that they know their point guard is going to get them the ball, even if they're not looking for the assist. So Lonzo scores a lot of hockey assists where it's not the actual assist, but it's the pass to get the assist. Those are the type of things that people play with. So I do agree with Jeff that he may not be the focal point, but he'll be the catalyst to help – facilitate a focal point which people want to play with I also think it was really interesting that in the game last night he had it was like 36 points eight rebounds 11 assists and they would show clips of LeBron James watching them and I mean LeBron was really impressed albeit it is summer league but I think that for all the hype that's come along with him he's been able to at least focus on and playing basketball and, and do the best that he can in his in his role right now and, and I think that's pretty impressive well, what do you what do you, what do you guys think about him uh, wearing big ball the big baller brand shoes for game one or for uh, uh, I guess the first couple games and then yeah going over to the the Nike uh, sneakers. Well, he said that uh, they asked him about that. He said that at big baller brand you can wear you can wear what you want. Now the idea that <laughs> the idea the, the idea stems from back you know when when Michael Jordan was. Um, put the flag over his over his jersey to cover up what was it the the, the non-nike brand on the olympic jerseys mm-hmm. you know this idea of the endorsement deals where you have to wear your brand all the time is created by all these giants that that were already established big brawler brand i feel like from his perspective he says we can wear what we want yeah and i just want to, i want to wear the mama mentality today I think that's a call for other players to feel like they're not going to be siloed into whatever endorsement deal that they take. So I think that it's actually pretty genius for a kid to say like, Hey, I want to wear Mamba mentality shoes today, but he still had a big baller brand shirt during the interview. I think that it challenged the status quo when it comes to endorsement deals. And, I, yep. and I'm always welcome for that shakeup. Real talk. Y'all are some hip hop heads. So y'all going to get this reference. If y'all remember back in the day when, you know, you know, People always say Snoop came through and crushed the buildings. Well, Snoop was like, man, if y'all sick of this, all right, I'm not even going to quote it all, but y'all know what I'm saying. When Snoop got up there and basically. Or Suge Knight. Yeah. Yep. And when Snoop gave that speech, you know what I'm saying? Like, man, if y'all tired of all this BS, man, y'all come to the West Coast. So I think that low key, that might have even been LeVar Ball that told the boy to put on the Nikes. You know what I'm saying? And 
So when they ask him about it, say, hey, you know, at Big Baller Brand, we do what we want, man. Like, we here for the love. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if y'all tired of all that, come over to Big Baller Brand. I mean, obviously, <laughs> version of it. If you tired, if you tired of the your producer dancing in your video, yeah, dancing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it sounds good. I want to believe, and a part of me believes what you guys are saying is correct. And look, big ball of brand, they're shaking it up. You know, they're they're not locked into the old way of thinking that you have to be, you have to wear your shoes or your brand all the time. But a part of me is saying that. Probably big baller brand shoes are not quality sneakers, and he doesn't want to blow out his ankles uh, on the court. So, I mean, but are Nikes are Nike quality sneakers? Like Jordan's shoes were the worst shoes to hoop in. Look, yeah, and they I, make them they make I, them in sweat factories in China. Like how quality? Like really, how quality shoes are these? I don't, you know, but and and that's a good question. I don't really know anyone who owns a pair of big baller brand sneakers, so I can't say for <laughs> sure, but. If if they are the best sneakers in the world, and you're selling them for for two x three x what you know the average pair of sneakers costs, or four x or even five x, then you should be rocking those bad boys. If they are if they are truly big baller brands worthy, that's my take. And so, uh, I, no, I mean, go ahead. I mean, it's, it's you got to understand. You got to think outside of when you when when you talk about disruption. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You have to think outside the box. You can't. You, the way you're thinking is the traditional way of thinking. Is like exactly. if I fully support something, then I'm going exactly. to be, I'm going to live and breathe it. But really, what he what they're saying is that they're fully support the athlete. Like they're yep. they're back to empowering the individual or the athlete versus exactly. empowering the brand. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean. So so I, I think I think it's a good marketing position to put themselves in, especially with these young guys. And yep. I think you guys mentioned last week, I was overhearing about folks actually considered joining the big baller brand. Um, yeah. So that, um, believe me, those folks at Nike, those folks at Under Armour, those folks at Reebok, whatever other shoe brand are shaking in their boots at the possibilities. And that's why you're starting to hear all this rhetoric about how he's a bad dad and all these great things and how everybody's making him look like a buffoon, trying to make him look like a buffoon. Yeah. Uh, Lavar, that is, um, yeah. but he he's really pretty intelligent, and he's actually taking a lot of heat off his son. Like you think exactly. you think it's putting pressure on him, but he's actually taking a lot of heat because he yep. can be the buffoon, and his son can go out and just do ball and do his thing. As long as the son produces, he'll be the the brand will be all right. And I also think that it's uh you know it goes back to like you know everything in, in, in the consumer industry is about choice now and empowering the consumer to be able to kind of do what they want, right? So. And if I'm a young artist now, like let's say we take Chance the Rapper, not signing a record deal, he can have streaming music services in whatever medium that he wants to choose to do it in. If let's say now we may be giving Big Baller Brand too much credit, but let's say they are taking this business model saying, hey, we don't care. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, you know, you could be down with Big Baller Brand and still wear Nike and still wear Reebok. So you can still get your endorsement deal. And I think LeVar Ball had already said that he wants to create a partnership with Nike which maybe this like this this deal where you could yeah, be Nike but, affiliated versus it being you have to wear Nike brand all the time, or, you know. So you could be big, down with Big Baller brand as a <laughs> as a as, as be down with them with them as like a crew versus it being like a you know you have to wear all big all all Big Baller brand everything. So I, I don't should, know. I think it's interesting. 
Uh, dude, we should bring Naughty by Nature back and 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 do a song, an OPP variation of uh, uh, BBB. You down with BBB? Yeah, you know me. See, only my people my age would only remember that. I don't know if y'all old enough to yeah. remember that. Stuff. Yeah, that that probably just go ahead and kill the whole. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think that works. I mean, dude, but, but so Marcus, realistically, right? What you said sounds like. I mean. It sounds like rainbows and, and, and chocolate chips, but there's no way there's no way Nike or Adidas or, or whoever whatever sneaker manufacturers are, are going to partner up with Big Baller Brand because of what you said. They are a threat. There's there's absolutely no way, and I would I would put money on it. That I would put twenty five bucks on Jeff. That there's no way you're going to have a, a Big Baller Brand uh, Nike partnership because they're not going to that precedent. They're not going to do it. But but. But Nike said, I think there was a, I thought I read an article where it said Nike is going to start in the treat. Big baller brand is like a, a, a new niche startup, right? Sure. So what happens with, with startups, right? So then the big companies come in and swallow the startups and they pay a bunch of money to take that, to take that brand. It's not like, let's say Nike buys big baller brand off, right? It's not like big, the term big baller brand is automatically going to go away anymore. So well, I just think that the, the, the damage, so to speak, is already done. And then to your point about, I don't think that would ever happen. I mean, 10 years ago, could we really say that one of the biggest selling rap artists in the game is not signed to a record label and basically has stuck his middle finger up at record labels? Like, we never would have thought that 10 years ago. Uh, and, I mean, uh, you know, not have a record deal. Yeah, I mean, it, it, probably, it, it would definitely be tough to imagine. But, I mean, but 10 years ago, I mean, we could all see that streaming content and the internet was changing the game. So, you know, people can go on YouTube and make a whole album and get YouTube famous. So you don't necessarily need so you don't necessarily Yeah, but Def Jam was still like the you know, as far as hip hop goes, Def Jam was still the you know, the big the big person and the, the big player in the market. They would have never thought that the, the, like especially the distribution channels and the mediums to get the music out. Yeah. I, I just think it just would have been hard. So I, you know, I, it's an interesting business case. So you know, I, I think you're right. Um but, dude, I, I would be very shocked and surprised if Nike capitulated to Big Baller Brand and said, "Look, uh, we're gonna we're gonna treat you like a startup and, and buy you out or buy your brand." Because on the flip side, oh, go ahead. I'm gonna cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, because it sets a, it sets a dangerous precedent for Nike. Because think about it, dude. There are so many NBA players. And if each of and if they see what happened with Big Baller Brand, they're gonna come out and say, "Well, I'm gonna come out with Big Baller Mike Michael Porter Brand, or you know <laughs> whoever the next big star is." Yeah. Because well, they, but it, it's gonna drive their price up though, right? Because they yeah. offered uh, Lonzo Ball ten million dollars. In order yeah. for them to say, "Hey, I don't want Michael Porter Jr. to do that," and for people that don't know, Michael Porter Jr. is the number one high school player in the country that's going to Missouri next year. If they don't want Michael Porter to do that, then they may need to offer $20 million, $25 million now, mm -hmm. right? So in order to sign those exclusive deals. And also, currently, you know, based off Summer League, being the number two draft pick, being under the tutelage of Magic Johnson, and being in L.A., yeah, you know, you have Nike is not involved in the L.A. market at all with this kid. Mm -hmm. I think that that's – I feel like Nike has to feel like they're missing out because beside, besides Kobe Bryant – they don't have another – they haven't had another marketable star in, in L.A., and it seems like they may have one in Lonzo Ball, and now Nike's froze out of it. So I think that for 
brand purposes, these shoe companies are going to want to be in the LA market. And right now they can't be. Hmm. Okay. Well, I, I guess uh, we'll have to uh, disagree to disagree. Um, <laughs> but look, you know what? I tell you what, it's going to change the game if Nike does have to capitulate and, you know, they say, look, okay, well, we need to be, we need to be in this LA market with this big star Alonzo ball. And they, you know, they, they come to some agreement, but I dude, I just can't see it. Um, but we are running uh, up on time. So why don't we, why don't we switch to the next? Um, well, so you guys, uh, any other, any other summer league stars that you just want to point out to some of the listeners that you, you might've had a chance to see or, Anyone stand out to you that you think uh, is going to have? I mean, obviously, it's summer league, but I think that if a player is shining in summer league, it does tell you that okay, you know, they might be able to do some things on the on the, the next stage. Uh, Markel Fultz, the first draft pick before he hurt his ankle, actually looked really good. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he definitely did. Yeah, I, I saw. I, I saw that. I saw. I saw the. He, uh, some of the highlights from his first game, and he looked he looked like he belonged. So, um, and then let me think, Dennis Smith Jr. He was the number nine pick. Yeah, uh, he's playing for Dallas. He looks like the new Steve Francis. Uh, oh. better than Steve Francis. <laughs> but oh yeah, oh that's right. The Knicks skipped the, the Knicks passed on him, right? That is correct. That is correct. In in true New York fashion, the Knicks said, "You know what? We're not going to get this NBA ready point guard. We're going to get." this guy who fits the triangle and they picked up Frank Nilaquila. And I think they're going to look back at this uh, at some point and regret it. So uh, yeah, <laughs> go New York, go New York, go. At any rate. Uh, okay. So, so let's, which well, you know what, which is, that's actually a perfect segue into uh, the last thing, obviously, uh, or one of the last things, obviously the New York Knicks, uh, they are still a dumpster fire. Last time we, we checked in on them, they had got rid of Phil Jackson. They fired him. And it looked like they were on their way to becoming a competent organization. But since then, let me, let me just give everyone a, a quick update. They have decided to not give David Griffin uh, the control and autonomy that he was asking for uh, because – Madison Square Garden is filled with a lot of snakes, a lot of venom that's been there since <laughs> since Jim Dolan has got there or since he got there 17 years ago. And for whatever reason, the Knicks believe that that uh, that something is going to change by keeping the same people there. They gave out a 71 four-year, 71 million four-year contract to Tim Hardaway Jr., a guy they drafted and traded away, which I'm not necessarily mad at that. I'm mad at the fact that they overpaid for this guy when no one else is going to give him that money. And basically, they blew their mid-level exception, which is uh, $9 million or $4.5 million per year on Ron Baker, who is a, a competent backup or third-string point guard. So I don't, know what, I don't know what the hell the Knicks are doing right now. They seem like they're just – swimming in their own their own poop and they're never really going to get out of it and this is just uh yeah this is just par for the course i, I don't know why i expected them to, to do um anything different but this is just par for the course so <sighs> <laughs> um 
So let me let, and and actually let me ask uh, Marcos and Matt. So obviously the Cavs seem like they're not really making too many moves. What do you guys think that they're doing in Cleveland? I mean, do they do they do they believe that by standing pat and not making any moves, and I'm I'm not including Richard Jefferson and and Jose Calderon in, in as making moves. Do they think that's gonna keep LeBron? in Cleveland? Is that going to be enough? Let me speak frankly. Um, the Cavs are kind of checkmated, you know, when we're talking about salary cap and we're talking about options. And, you know, the Cavs had kind of bet the house, you know, with the team they built, that it would be a championship team. And But for Kevin Durant going to the Warriors, you know, the Cavs legitimately could have repeated this year. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And they really achieved their goal of creating a team that could beat pretty much any other team barring something unforeseen. What mm-hmm. Kevin Durant did is really unprecedented. So but so with all the moves that the Cavs had to make to kind of build where they are, they're kind of checkmated. So you got to think they're cash strapped. They have no uh, cap space. They're well into the luxury tax. They're going to be a repeat offender for the luxury tax. They mm-hmm. have to give away draft picks to kind of make the trades and make the acquisitions that they did. So it's not like they can say, all right, well, we'll give you a draft pick if you just take this contract. They can't even do that. So it's not that the Cavs are standing pat because they're complacent. They're standing pat because they legitimately can't do anything outside of a blockbuster trade. But see, but, sorry, guys. No, no, go ahead. Uh, so, so, so that's where that's where I disagree, right? So, you're right. A, a blockbuster trade is, I mean, in my opinion, they they should go ahead and just trade Kevin Love if they can get some uh, some nice three and D guys, and they should probably consider trading. I know this is gonna sound crazy. Kyrie Irving should also also go, but even beyond that, if you just take those two things off the table and you say, okay, we need to work within, we need to work within. The, the framework that their cash or their, their salary cap maxed and they, they, they're going to be in the luxury tax. Dude, there are things they could have done. Like, for example, they could have purchased a second-round pick and got a young athletic, you know, wing player that can kind of come, up, come out there and, and, and maybe even guard a Draymond Green, right? Like the guy that, that, the, that the Bulls had a chance to draft, but then he went to the Warriors because the Warriors ended up buying the pick for like $3 million in cash. So if the Cavs would have spent that money, I think his name is uh, Jordan Bell. Jordan yeah. Bell. Have you seen him play? Yeah, he's, he's good. He is good. I mean, again, it's summer league, right? It's summer league, but he looks like he looks like he belongs in the NBA. So what I'm saying is, they could have done that. They could have said, you know what? Uh, we're going to go and instead of signing Jose Calderon, let's search the D league for a guy who we think by by you know, by January could develop into a rotation player for this team uh, with high upside. Right. So with what you just said, yeah. All right, and you know Marcus is going to scoff at this along mm-hmm. the lines of what you did. They brought over that European guy they drafted a couple years ago, Seti Osman, and they signed him. He's, he's a trash. Three and D guy, <laughs> supposedly. Supposedly, he's a three and D guy. I'm not I'm not necessarily betting any money on this dude, but along the lines of what you're saying, somebody who has potential, but you've never really seen him realize any of it. Seti Osman is 6'8". He's athletic. Supposedly, he can shoot a little bit of three. Supposedly, he's tenacious on defense and all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. He averaged seven points in, a, in the Turkish league. 
Right. But, hey, hey, I'm not advocating for the guy along the lines of what Bruce was saying. You know, we could have got Jamal. We could have had Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford is 37 and doesn't play any defense. I mean, that's the opposite direction. I feel like the Cavs need to move in. I'm not saying, but it's not like we needed more defense to beat the Warriors. We just needed to score more points to beat them. No, you know, I'm in a philosophical disagreement that you add more old, broke down Nissans to your garage. Like <laughs> that's not what the Warriors are doing, you know yeah. what I mean? Like exactly, exactly. You, we saw Richard Jefferson. He couldn't. He wanted to make certain plays, but he couldn't because of his athleticism. Like he he was guarding him. Kevin Durant, who's the second best player in the world. Like of course he's gonna make him look bad, just like Kevin Durant made everybody look bad. I'm talking about on offense too, bro. Like Richard Jefferson <laughs> cut a hole and kept the ball and just be stuck under their pump fake and like, come on, man. Like where he would have windmilled it if it was three or four years ago. Like, I mean, and I'm not even saying that anything bad about Richard Jefferson. He's just old. Like, I just don't feel like that going was eight like years ago closer to forty <laughs> than closer to thirty is the direction they need to go. Yeah, is Seti Osman the savior? I'm not saying that at all. But I I like the philosophical decision to try to bring new blood in. Like, right. So okay, okay, LeBron. Like they said that um, LeBron was on the phone with Jeff. We signed Jeff Green, who's okay. Uh, and then we talked about uh, Jamal Crawford, who I guess was working the phones as well. All right, LeBron, you know what? We don't have a GM because we fired him. But you know what we're going to do? Bring in some new blood, a guy named Seven Seti Osman, who averaged seven points in Istanbul. Championship. <laughs> like, I just don't even understand what – I'm not, I'm going to help LeBron Pat this time. Like, dude, dude, I, I, I'm going I'm to tell you – don't be surprised if you guys we're here if we're here talking next summer and LeBron is going west. Like don't be No, he's gone. Like I I'll help him pack. Like it's fine. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I just think it's sad that that this is what it's come to. Like 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 cats don't want to stick around. Like he he made that he wrote that letter to the city. Like why are we like I, I don't even think this shit, I think he I don't know. I don't, like I understand so, the drive to be successful, but to me, the drive starts at home and doesn't start like jumping off and getting in, the, getting in the truck, packing up the truck like the like the coast did, and, and leaving in the midnight. Like, I, 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 I have two. I have two points I want to make to that to LeBron. Number one, if LeBron left, it won't be the same feeling like when he did. And you, we're talking about. Uh, I grew up in Cleveland. I'm a Clevelander. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It won't be the same feeling. Number one, he delivered on a promise. Yeah, he brought a championship. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Number two, I feel like, you know, Dan Gilbert doesn't come across as the best guy to work for, period. And number three, along those lines, man, we're in an age where the ghost of Michael Jordan is, you know, kind of haunting everybody to where sports talking figures like we're trying to become are always talking about, well, what validates you? Well, what validates you is rings. So, the same culture that motivated Kevin Durant to leave, you know, his contending team and jump to the best team is kind of the same culture that I would say would justify LeBron making that move. Like if it's an arms race, you got to keep up with the arms race. If the only way we ever measure players is by how many rings they get, then we can't blame them or fault them if they don't want to grind out and deal with losing in the finals a few times to get over that hump. Because ultimately we're saying your worth is only with your jewelry which I've always disagreed with that. But if that's the culture, players are like, well, all right, well, we just about to get this jewelry and you can't ever take it from us. 
True. Well, then you can't turn around and say, well, y'all need to stick around. Like, if your argument is going to be six rings is the only reason Jordan is better than LeBron, then you can't turn around and say, well, LeBron is at fault for wanting to go chase his rings. You know what I mean? Yeah, and true. that's coming from a guy from Cleveland. So that's just kind of where I'm at with it, with a more mature. I, 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 I understand where you're coming from, and I'm glad you've given him a pass. But I look at it a little bit differently. <laughs> if I'm the best player in the world, then, then the best talent is going to want to come play with me. So I can build my team wherever I want to. And he's proven that. He built his team in, in – he took over um, uh, Dwayne Wade's team and built a team in, in, in Miami and won two championships. Without him, they would have not – they would not have won those two championships. He came back to Cleveland. Before he left, he took you out to the – he took you to the to the to the, the championship and got your ass beat by a with just a better team. Like it wasn't even his fault. He's just a better team. But Kevin Love and uh, Kyrie were hurt, so. No, no, I'm talking about before he left. Talk about when LeBron's oh, oh. renewable. Yeah. Yeah, 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 when they had the bombs on the team. Yeah. Yeah. When they had bombs on the team, so he's the, he's proven himself that he is the best player in the world. So he shouldn't have to go anywhere. People should come to him. I'm just saying. Well, the Cavs yeah, but, but Cavs when, you're, when your owner fires the GM and then the next move you make is bring in a guy averaging seven points in Istanbul, <laughs> there's only so much that he can do. Like, he can't. Uh, is this true? And, but you know what that's about. You know what that's about. And also, they don't have any cap space either, so. But but and but I will say this: LeBron always brings like a scorched earth mentality. He brings us his urgency when he comes to the team. I feel like the team made a lot of win now moves for LeBron. They paid mm-hmm. Tristan Thompson ninety million for LeBron. So you can't always say, "Well, all right." You know, a lot of this stuff was made with the blessing of LeBron. So it's like you come in, you fuck shit up, and you leave. Like you can't <laughs> always. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like you have to really. Drain that's my point. That's my point. That's exactly what I'm getting at. You're right. I mean, I can go with that. I can I can understand that point. So you can't burn the house down and then walk away from the fire. So if that's like the point you're making, that's the point you're making. But at okay, the, I can understand that. But at the same time, I don't. I think that the Cavs are only a fire because Kevin Durant did what he did. And I'm not saying that Kevin Durant is all the way wrong for it. He made the decision. His decision is his decision. But I don't think that when that house was built that the, a Kevin Durant being added to the Warriors was even in the cards. Like, nobody even thought that was a possibility. And if Kevin Durant, and I know if if is such a crazy word to use, but if Kevin Durant wasn't on the Warriors, we're not having this conversation right now. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think it's just a tough position. You know what I'm saying? It's a very Cleveland thing that an unprecedented Western Conference team would come out of the woodwork as soon as the Cavs championship window opens. Like, it's just a very Cleveland thing. So. Well, look, at least you guys have won one. Yeah, hey, I, I'll take it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <I'll take it. laughs> yeah. We, we, we're over here in New York, starved, waiting to talk trash to the rest of the NBA, and we can't do it because our team's been garbage for the last 17 years. Yeah, like, who's the last star you guys had? Willis Reed? <laughs> you know what? No, we we dude. Remember, we won fifty four games back in like twenty twelve, back in the day. So uh, that's that's really like the last real good season that the Knicks. I mean, they've had like other seasons where they've won like forty some odd games, but realistically, they've only had like one good season 
since over the last 17 years, and they've just been trash. Ali um, Houston. <laughs> I mean, I, I like Ali Houston, but they definitely overpaid. They gave this man. He was one of the first. Uh, he was one of the first like hundred million dollar men in the NBA when they gave him that that one contract extension that they should never have given him. This is a you couldn't jump. You couldn't block his shot. Shooter. Yeah, he, you, but you couldn't block his shots. So he brought something unique at the time. You know, as a very very long two. Like, yeah, and you didn't see a lot of long twos then. So like, and that's that goes back to the discussion. I like to bring this full circle with James Harden. Is I don't necessarily know if he brings a unique skill set, but I but I do know that Houston sees his value in what they saw what they saw last year in his marketability a, and then also his play and how he can elevate his game. Albeit during the regular season, but that's they wanted to they didn't want him to be able to go somewhere else. And can you blame them for that? Well, yeah. Everybody is getting overpaid. Like it like. I, I look at all the, and I wanted to say this last weekend. I was looking at all these contracts. Who, who was um, JJ Redick? Um, he got one year, 17, 18 million. Hey, um, year 23. Like these dudes are getting paid. Like, like I look at the NFLPA and they should be ashamed of themselves. Because there's no, the NBA, the Players Association for the NBA did all the right things, made all the right th- moves. The NFLPA, on the other hand, they did they they damn near was going to strike and still came out on the wrong end of a deal. Dude, you mean you? I mean, yeah, you're right, but you can't be mad. From at collective that. bargaining from a collective bargaining standpoint, yeah. because those those guys are making billions. Those the owners are making billions on sixteen games. Yeah. Sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but again, you look, you you can't be you can't be mad at the NBA players, right? I mean, and the the problem. I'm not mad at them. I'm mad at the the N- the NFLPA, the NFL Players Association. Uh, they that's they ought to be shamed looking at what these NBA guys are getting now because of how the new collective bargaining agreement worked out. They don't want us to be ashamed of themselves. Listen, listen. If if the players in the NFL want want more money, then that's what they need to. That's what they need to negotiate. So I I fully agree. I mean, I don't understand how NFL players don't have guaranteed contracts with how hard of a sport it is. Like, I mean, come on. Like, why would I guarantee? Why would I allow as a business person? Why would I allow to pay somebody a guaranteed contract when they go out and literally bruise their brain every week? (laughs) Why would I do? Like, it doesn't. There's no. It's true. On the, on the flip side of that, Marcos, why would I go out and bruise my brain for somebody that ain't don't see the value in me? Yeah, exactly. like why would no, I, I why totally would agree, I go I totally agree with that? If I'm I on break the player side. Game eight, you cut me game nine, and I'm out of my check. Like no, it looked, that, no, I agree I, with that. I think that it's not fair. But what I'm saying is, you're right. I think that the NFL players should have to take a stand for that. Which that's I a whole agree. another podcast. And a play and Demar and Demaris or whatever the hell his name De- is, Demaris Smith. De- yeah, De- yeah Smith. he should be the leader in that. I I totally agree. And I look at I look at I don't know if he's just seen a recent article and what Calvin Johnson said over in Italy on how he the reason why he, his rationale for not going back to to Detroit was just like they weren't winning. He didn't see any, and he was out there busting his ass, and he was the best player, and he just said, you know, I forget this. And when, then they went the way they treated him at the end of it was like, oh yeah, give, we don't need that million back. Like what? After all of that stuff that they did for them, oh, I'm gonna need my million signing bonus back. Come on now. That, and and that's yeah. my point. And, and you're right. Yeah. It is on. It's the the onus is on the players to demand 
and but they went to bat was that four years ago, four or five years ago, and they were threatened to to strike and they didn't, and they came out with a deal, a raw deal. At the end of it, it's essentially a raw deal. They can short it. Go ahead. Yeah, the NFL doesn't even let players take knees or anything like that. They take a knee, they lose their job. (laughs) 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 NFL players can't even dance Uh, no more, bro. Oh my goodness! And, and, and you know the funny thing is, I, and I hate to go off on a tangent. That's all starting to backfire from a profitability standpoint, and that's yeah. why you're starting to see them release and come a, a, a bit more lax on those rules. Because if you look at how the TV contracts were structured before, they were eating, they were eating just off the TV money, and now that mm-hmm. people have changed the way they view games, or whether or not they view or, or decide to view them. Has changed the whole the whole paradigm. So it's been a paradigm shift, and now they're feeling the heat from that. So now they're going back. Well, let's make this more entertaining. Let's allow the players to be a little bit more themselves. It's not about the NFL brand, just the NFL brand. We do need to have the players have their own brand as well. Mm-hmm. Well, right. you guys. Uh... All right. So I think uh, I think we're we're gonna have to probably we're getting close to uh, the the end here. Uh, this has been fun. Uh, do you guys want to give any any parting shots, any parting thoughts before we wrap up on on anything? Could be sports related, non sports related. Uh, I got I got nothing. Jeff, last week we we talked about the uh, the Jay Z's new album. So I don't know if you had any thoughts about that. If you had a chance to listen to it. Um, I think people are just excited that Jay Z put out an album. I've heard the album multiple times. What he's talking about to me as an educated brother is not new stuff. Mm. Um, right. and, and to be honest with you, and I think Rick Ross said it best. I'm Rick Ross is one of my favorite artists, and the reason why Rick Ross is one of my favorite artists is not his character, but is what he's talking about is like end up in wealth and building wealth, independent wealth. And talking about being your own boss, that's some real shit. And that's what the model that that's what from what, what the story goes is that that's what Jay-Z gave him advice on how to build his own brand. And then Jay-Z comes out with 444, and that's basically what he's saying. He's talking about grown-up stuff. And I think right. it's really it's I don't really fault Jay-Z. I don't have a problem with Jay. I like Jay-Z as a rapper. I think he's one of the best of all time. But I what I what I really want to say is that it's sad that we have 40 plus year old rappers. Like they, what does that say about the industry? You know, you know what I mean? Like, like you really got to look at that and be like, wow, like all the guys that are putting out quality material are old from a rap I'm, standpoint. Whoa, whoa, and, and I like, and I like, I think the classic, I, hold on, I'm 35. I think the, I think the, the favorite part, I think you guys said something about having a distinction between classic rap and modern rap. I, I think I, I do think that that genre does need to be split up because I I know what I understand the trap rap and and the, the what do they call oh I call chanting right oh. now Dude. it's all chanting basically <laughs> it is it's chanting you, you guys you got you, you haven't heard they say the same thing over and over again and I get caught up in it too I'm not I'm not immune to it but it's but it, I mean like I'm one of my favorite rappers of the South is Scarface Scarface will tell okay. you a story. Anytime, any way you want it, and you'd be like interested, wanted to hear it, like you know. So, so it, it's just different. Like so, so like Jay, kudos to Jay Z for putting out a 
umpteenth album is going to be successful put it out on his own label which was excellent then it came out on apple music i got a chance to listen to it i thought it was quality material do i think it was groundbreaking hell no i think people are people of our age group are just interested in hearing more stuff we're used to we that we can relate to I, I totally get you, and I don't have a problem with old rappers, man. Like I said, rap is finally putting itself, you know, establishing itself as a complete titan, like as a genre where rap drives pop culture. You know, you when we were talking about, you know, early 90s when rock and roll had that shift, grunge music came in, grunge drove pop culture and popularity, and rap was still wearing its diapers. And if you and I brought up rock and roll because rock and roll, man, these these dudes be torn in, in their 70s, man. Like it'd be whole events when these rap rock, I'm sorry, these rock and roll bands come back together and they're old. So why can't, you know, my favorite rapper be Nas who 42? You know what I'm saying? Like you uh, you're not, you're not, you misconstrue what I said. I, I don't think that I don't have a problem with you with them being, I just see that the the there's a disconnect between what our tastes are in rap and what the young folks taste are in rap. I don't think it's a problem that you like a 40 year old rap, like all of my favorite rap, Jada kiss, Scarface, you know, DJ quick. A lot of these guys are all in a fort, like either late thirties or early forties. I'm the same way. I can't connect with the new young kids, even fabulous. I got to think about like, he was one of my, my TV Bob rappers and he wouldn't fabulous gotta be like 33, 34. Fabulous, like he, seven, bro. Fa fa fabulous is my favorite meme on Twitter right now. Bro, but, and you know how I know Fabulous is 37? Because I know y'all heard that Khaled song, Wild Thoughts. He coming out with a remix called Wild Thoughts. Mm. So I had to Google Fabulous' name. Like, how old is he? Because you 37 years old talk about some wild thoughts. Like, nah, bro, you need a shift in your <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, that's wow. how he's able to write off his age. You know what I'm saying? Like... You know what I mean? And I, I kind of feel you guys, but I do feel like, man, there's younger rappers. I mean, there's rappers in their mid-late 20s and early 30s who are still holding it down when we're, if we're talking about lyrical rap or if we're talking about content. But I just got to look, I just got to accept these guys for who they are. You know, these young guys, man. Like, I'm not going to lie, man. If 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 Playboy Cardi come on and I'm in a car, man, I'm going Millie Rock. You know what I'm saying? Like, in New York, I'm Millie Rock. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just fun to listen to sometimes. And so I don't think that it's a bad sign for rap. I think it is a shift, but I don't think that rap will ever be completely starved for a person who wants to tell a story mm. or for a person who wants to put words together. I mean, you got young guys like Vic Mensa and Vince Staples, and I'm not even sure if you've heard these guys, but Vic Mensa is damn near an activist in Chicago. You know what I mean? But it, and if you go listen to this dude's music, I mean, you know, he's talking about a lot of things that are relevant to us as older, as older African-American men. So if you're if you look for it, it's out there. You know what I mean? But kind of with the media and what record labels are going to be pushing and what's popular. Yeah, man, we're going to have to deal with, you know, as you call it, chanting and whatnot. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. Joey Badass is another good representation yeah. for the East Coast. Mm -hmm. uh, Kendrick they, on, the, on the West. I mean, but they, you know what I mean? They're few and far between, right? And, and even like Nipsey Hussle, I've talked about Nipsey at length, like t total gangbanger, stay in his lane. Like, but 
He also preaches independent wealth, giving money back to the neighborhood. He's one yeah. of the guys that never signed a deal. You know what I mean? He's still out there trying to get a distribution deal. He has opened up some stores. He's created his own um, line of Indica. Like he's growing and he's got he's he's a branded. Like he's doing a lot of different things. I mean, so there's there's a channel. Um, I don't I don't totally disregard. I'm not totally disregarding the young cats, but I can't connect with them like I can connect with some of those folks that I just mentioned. Hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, any, other, any other? Uh, Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Quick, man, this is gonna be a curveball, man. I don't know if y'all in the movies or not, man. I'm not even gonna talk about Spider Man. We're not going into the comic book thing, maybe for another time. But man, Baby Driver with like Jamie Foxx or whatever, man. That movie was awesome, man. I just happened to catch it because I was killing time before I saw Spider Man. That movie was awesome, dude. So y'all need to check it out, man. It was a it was a fly fun movie, man. I know we kind of talk about pop culture. So I suggest y'all check that out. All right, I'm, I may have I may have to add that. I'm I'm gonna see a few movies this weekend, so I may have to add that one to the list. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm gonna sneak into the theater and watch uh, War for Planet of the Apes. Maybe uh, <laughs> I'll check that one out. I don't know if you guys did that in Cleveland, but here in New York, there was a few theaters that uh, you know, as people were exiting, you know, you'd like sneak in there real quick. So 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 my philosophy, you know, all the time was you don't pay for a movie, you pay to get in the theater. So I, I've never snuck in without paying. But once I'm in there, if I decide to dip off in another theater, I pay my entry fee. You know, <laughs> so. I, you know what? I guess that is another way to look at it. So there's some truth behind it. All right. All right, guys. The, the last thing, last thing before you close up, I, I wanted to close the loop on the whole Time Warner thing. I couldn't find anything on the actual class action suit, but I did validate that it was in four markets, New York, Philly, L.A., and Houston. Um, Time Warner and <laughs> yes, it, Time Warner and Charter, and it wasn't a, everyone. They said it's sixty-seven percent in in LA. It was tw- up to upwards of twenty plus in some of those other other markets. So maybe it just seemed like it was it was more heavily affected um, LA. Hmm. So send me that link when you get to. I like to check it out. No problem. All right, guys. Uh, so yeah, let's uh, go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, download uh, the podcast. It's now on iTunes. Uh, you can check us out on SoundCloud. They play, we talk. And I uh, hope to hear you uh, or see you guys back on episode seven. All okay, right. fellas. All Have right. a great weekend. All right. Y'all be cool. All right. Later.